Hello and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And as we head toward the end of the year, we're planning a few episodes to help you get things off strong in the new year. Uh, this one today, we're going to talk about a number of tips for getting your backlist selling again, or if it's never sold well to get it selling for the first time. So it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, guys. Before we jump in, do you have any news that you would like to share? Sure. Um, I hit some, well, NaNoWriMo uh, ran its course. Uh, I hit some speed bumps. I wasn't entirely pleased with the second act of the story I wrote for NaNoWriMo. But I squeezed out 72,000 words on a complete rough draft, which is good enough for me. Uh, I don't have a spot in my release schedule for this one. It's a sequel to one of my lower uh, uh, performing books, but it was the idea I had when the, when the month rolled around. I also released two books in the month of November. Right at the beginning of November, I released Greater Land Saga 3, which is called The Bygone Mask. And uh, Top Level Player was released on November 30th, which is my Ready Player One style book. Uh, neither of them have set the world on fire with with uh, their releases. They haven't turned things around. They sort of kept the course, but they should keep my bills paid through the holidays, which is all I require of them. Uh, I'll be starting Greaterlands 4 in the next couple of days, and that's going to be released sometime probably March next year. And be between then and now, I'll also be working on some box set stuff, uh, which we'll be talking about box sets later, so maybe I'll steal some ideas. Um, but because it's now, you know, solidly into the holidays and therefore solidly into the advertising costs a lot more, I am going to be putting both ads and releases on the back burner until the new year. So basically, I'm into prep mode for 2022 at this point. That's me now, right? <laughs> and the people who have like silences cut out of all the episodes they listen to, they'll be like, why is she talking like that? <laughs> it's because because I wasn't paying as close attention as maybe I should have been. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Uh, somebody just messaged me. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm recording my podcast. Go talk to my husband. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. So my news, I'm writing Madly, the third book in my medical romance series. It's been super awesome to get in the swing of things with that. And um, I actually built some built-in shelves in our living room. And that helped me got, get over the fog from brain surgery. Brain surgery ankle surgery, the brain fog from ankle surgery. And um, now I'm just, um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready, ready to write again. It's been really, really fun. Um, but I've recently discovered Becca Syme and I know a lot of our listeners already know who she is, but dang it, where was she like 10 years ago? <laughs> and I've been listening to her YouTube channel religiously lately, and I'm hoping to take her write better, faster course, which I know a bunch of the romance author mastermind authors have talked about a lot, but um, that's going to be in January. Um, but listening to her, it's already, it's already opened my eyes a ton just because, I mean, she, you know, she takes people's personalities and she's like, this is why you're not writing. And this is why you're not selling. And then helps you figure out with your strengths, um, how to be a more productive, more focused writer. And I'm still listening. So I'm not entirely sure. And I haven't taken the test yet that her personality test yet that, um, uh, tells you which type of personality you are and what your strengths are, but I'm pretty sure I know what my strengths are and I'm, I'm starting to recognize why I do things the way I do. And, um, and then she makes a point in a couple of episodes here and there that your personality doesn't matter when you have a lot of things, a lot of responsibilities that are relying on you like little children. So I'm like, I got to remember, I do have kids and it's going to slow down my production right now. Um, anyway, so if you're wondering why you can't 
get um, certain things done, like why you're not writing, why you're not as productive as, as you as you want to be, why people's systems don't work for you and um, like planning, things like that, why it's not working for you, then I would recommend go checking out what she does. Um, her podcast is called The Quit Cast and that's, it's on YouTube. I couldn't find it anywhere else. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think. I know she has a book that says, Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. And she's not saying you need to quit writing. You need to quit these things that are taking up your writing time. Um, and then she does, I know she did some presentations at 20 books to 50 K and, uh, yeah, so I've really, really enjoyed it. So, um, go check her out. Cause yeah, um, it, uh, yeah, that's the number one thing. A lot of my clients are like, why am I not as productive? And I'm like, dang it. So those of you who I've worked with, go check her out for free. I'm not even gonna charge you to tell you, charge you money to tell you that. <laughs> but is Becca giving you money for the promo at the beginning of our show? Dag nabbits. Becca, I'm sending you a check. <laughs> no, I, I forget what it's called. Do you remember what it's called? The test, the strengths test thing. It's like a, it's not Clifton. just writing related. No. What is it? The Clifton. It used to be called Gallup and it's now Clifton. Okay. Clifton yeah. Cause I know somebody in another field that uses it too, to like help business people. So it's not woo woo. <laughs> it's, it's like lots of science behind it, I believe. I haven't done it either, but um, yeah, I know I've heard her on other podcasts and talking about how, like for some people, the advice to like write a thousand words every day or, you know, write every day is great and it works for them. But for other people are like binge writers or that, you know, they have to think about and process it for a while before they're ready to sit down and write. So it's useful to know what type you are, your strengths and weaknesses, and, and then you can kind of figure out a game plan more easily. Uh, as for my news, nothing major has been going on. I just sent my epic fantasy book four in my series off to um, my typo hunters. So that one's almost ready. I've got it releasing on December 25th. Seemed like a good day. I'm sure nobody will be doing anything. Um, it seems like I've been working on this one for a while. It ended up over 170,000 words. So a pretty big one for me. I have been... Uh, I have actually written and I'm now editing the next my little werewolf books in the time that my editor had it and my beta readers had it. So that's kind of how it has to be. If you want to write a lot of books a year, you start working on the next one. Well, you know, everything, you know, anytime there's kind of a break for waiting for somebody else to do their part, then that's how you keep them going out. If it's within your personality type to operate that way. <laughs> you know, I think some people might not be. I, I did listen to a couple of the uh, 50 or 20 books to 50K talks, you know, and somebody was publishing 40 books in a year. <laughs> I was like, oh man, please don't try to do that at home, people. Um, you know, but if you can do it, hey, amazing. Uh, it's going to obviously, we're talking about backlist today. You're going to have a backlist a lot sooner, but, you know, don't kill yourself too if, if that's not possible. I would say for me, I don't, I don't quite do a book a month. You know, sometimes there are longer books and stuff, but uh, I probably end up doing nine, 10 books a year. And I feel like that's a lot. <laughs> just like, wow, those people are really amazing who are doing twice as many. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the topic now that we've rambled. So, and that is for those that have forgotten tips for getting your backlist selling again. And I have a, this is a long list to go with my first tip. So I'm just going to read through it. Uh, I promise after that, <laughs> I don't think anybody else's is as long or involves bullet points. Although wait, maybe Andrea has bullet points at the end. I think she was like, wait, wait, I have like 10 more. I'm just going to put them down here. So, all right. So first tip to get your backlist selling again is if you have not done it yet, put together a box set or, you know, slash bundle of some of your older series 
Uh, we're not positive about the other stores, but we know that Amazon likes new releases. See the Dave Cheston interview we had a few months ago and also his article, The Honeymoon Effect. Does Amazon give preferential treatment to new books? Spoiler, yes. Um, but putting together a box set is an opportunity to turn an old series into a new release. Uh, some tips if you're going to do this. Wait to launch the box set until the series is complete and or sales have really dwindled. Don't just throw it out there as soon as you have free books or, you know, and don't do it to, I, I mean, you can, but I recommend not just putting it out like at a dollar discount to the, you know, the other three books. Wait until, do it until you're ready to run a sale. Um, give it the best price you're ever going to give it when you launch it and basically act like it's the launch of a new book. Try to get that sucker selling. I've had old series turn into cash cows, especially with uh, with my ones that are Amazon exclusive where I get page read credit on, you know, what ends up being very one very long book. This is often, I often do this kind of as a last hurrah before I take a series out of Amazon exclusive and then make it wide. For a longer series, uh, books, a book one to three set can make a lot of sense, but um, readers love, love, love. I put three loves in my notes, so I'm going to say them all. They love complete series sets. So if you have some series that are like trilogies or maybe four or five book series, try bundling them ever into one box and make it clear, you know, digital box, make it clear that it's a complete series. I, I just have done so much better on those than on, you know, books one through three in a starter series, in a series. Not to say you can't do it. That's my next little thing here. If you do do a set of uh, one to three books, one to three in like a nine book series, that can work great too. It ends up being kind of a alternative book one. It's something else you can promote as a series starter on the various sites. So if you already promoted your book one a couple of times everywhere, now you have another book one that you can promote. Um, and one thing to real is to realize that you don't have to feel compelled to make bundles of the rest of the books. Some people do one to three, four to six, seven to nine, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you tend to, when you do that, you discount it and readers like it, of course, but after three books, they're generally pretty locked in and will likely buy the rest of the books at full price. So, you know, just ask yourself, well, I give it away for less if I don't have to. I generally discount the heck out of my earlier books and series and almost never run sales on anything later, but um, that is just me. When you launch your bu bundle, make sure to do a new cover and a new blurb um, tweak the blurb and come at things from a different angle if you can. So this is a chance to appeal to an audience that maybe saw the book one blurb, didn't think it was for them, but they actually may like the book. So if, uh, also, if it makes sense, put the, the box set into different categories. Um, you know, Amazon is giving you like 10 categories right now, so maybe you're good there, but some of the other stores you can still only select two. So maybe, you know, and for some people that's all that work, but if you're one of those people that had a hard time selecting and there are actually more categories you could have put it in, put the bundle in the other ones and, and see how it does there in a new category. Also, if you're wide and want to do a book one perma-free, the doing like books one to three of the bundle, you know, treating that as something maybe you leave one free, but then you price price pulse the bundle where it's um, maybe it's usually near full price. Say it's like $8.99 or $9.99, giving a dollar discount. And, but then once a year, you drop it free or 99 cents. And, you know, of course, if you can get a book bub or something really big, that's great. But, you know, even the, the smaller promo sites can really help get things rolling. And, you know, the more copies of that bundle you give away, hopefully the more of the rest of the series you're going to sell. Cause I've mentioned this in the past. I've definitely found that 
you know, with one book, maybe you're able to hook the reader and they'll go on to buy book two. But it seems like after they, if they read all three books in the bundle, at that point, they're kind of like, like I said earlier, they're kind of locked in. They're, they're committed at that point And they will often, you know, I usually find the sell through is really good from the bundle to the next book in the series. Uh, for wide stuff, I don't usually bother with a 99 cent full series bundle on a wide series. It can make sense in Kindle Unlimited where you're factoring in page reads. You know, I've had bundles where I got sold it for 99 cents on Amazon, made 35 cents on the sales, and then made $10 on the page reads because it had like 2,000 some pages in it. But um, wide, obviously you're not getting page reads, so all you're going to get is that 35 cents on a 99 cent bundle. An exception might be if there's a spin-off series and you wanted to run a sale on the first in the series, the first series to get more people to check out the second. And in that case, you're probably going to want to put an excerpt of the next, you know, first book in the next series at the end of that bundle. All right. Uh, last thing to say is you can take down a bundle if you're going to change things up and launch an all new bundle to try again. And once again, take advantage of that honeymoon period. Uh, for example, let's say you put together a books one to three bundle when you were still working on the series. And eventually you ended up with six, six books to complete the series. So maybe now you're going to take down the, the books one to three bundle and do a one to six complete series bundle. Note, if you are in Kindle Unlimited, I believe Amazon only allows you to have one bundle of a series and, of course, the individual titles, and everything has to be exclusive. There's This is no workaround for trying to have wide stuff than an exclusive bundle on Amazon. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen people get yelled at or the nasty gram before where they tried to do like, oh, I'm going to do a book one to three bundle and then a book one to four bundle and then, of course, a one through six bundle because why wouldn't you? Ah, but there, that's the, that's all my stuff on bundle. And I think Andrea wanted to chime in on this one too. Yeah, just really quickly, because um, this is something we get asked regularly, but um, don't put up a box set for at least six months after the last book in the set has been released. Um, so like if you have books one through three and you want a box set of books one through three, uh, don't put it up until at least six months, preferably a year before that or after that third book has been released. And once I did that once at the start of my career and it, re it just really upset, I mean, hurt my, my big readers fans, the ones that are like, I bought it for full price. And then you had it out in a box set for $9.99 when I paid $4.99 for each of those books. So just give it a little bit of time not just waiting for the sales to dwindle because you don't want to, even if you only have 10 or 15 people buy those books at full price, you don't want to um, make them feel like they've been devalued or undervalued, whatever, whichever way that goes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I would say that goes for just releasing book one too. Like I'll see authors who release like $3.99 and then like, oh man, it's not selling at all. And they drop it to 99 cents. <laughs> it's only been a month since the release. Hey, you might irk some readers there. I usually wait a year before I drop, you know, if I book one was a 99 center, then I'll run, you know, and raise the price, I'll lower it back to 99 cents again, no worries. But before I make it cheaper than the launch price, I want to wait so that there are hopefully are not hard feelings. Um, and like we said, uh, the bundle should generally be, it's more powerful if you use it later on, like after the series is really, you're like, you've done all you can do, you know, it's like you've run that book one promo you know, three times or whatever on the various promo sites. And now it's ready to get a new life. All right. Rambled enough on that one. Joe, do you want to give us the next tip for reviving your backlist? Yes, indeed. Uh, this seems like an obvious one, but uh, if you are primarily a series writer and therefore your backlist is primarily series, 
you can always revisit the series. Uh, having a new entry and a series gives you the, a new reason to push book one and a new way to revitalize interest in the series and generally just take another bite of the apple. So it doesn't have to be a full-length entry or a sequel. We talk a lot about the value of uh, the reader magnet. And if you've never written one for the series, there's nothing stopping you from writing that now. Uh, not only will it serve the valuable role that we often talk about, if you have done it up front where you can give a low cost or a free entry point to a series and trump up interest or use it to reward people who join your newsletter or whatever you're going to do, uh, although those are two different roles. Um, this time, you know, there's going to be reviews and feedback on your side for, for, for the books that are already out, which will give a much better shot at not only, you know, people who are interested in, people who, who don't know you will see that you have books out that have reviews and whatnot and, and therefore might be willing to take a, a chance at the, the lower price entry just because you, they know you're established. But people have now spoken to you about your books and you know which parts are people's favorite and which characters are people's favorite. So rather than sort of taking a guess at who you think people would want to read about for the magnet, now you've got some pretty rock solid data about what people want to read. And you'll therefore be rewarding your current fans with stuff that you know they want. And you'll be, you know, you have an educated guess at what new fans might actually enjoy, what, 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 what might bring them in. So a late reader magnet entry is, a, is, a, is not a bad idea. On the other hand, it could be a full length edition. Uh, don't underestimate the work that goes into writing a new installment after a long absence, though, because you might be re you might be rereading the entire series to get back up to speed. But if you have a good idea or you've collected up a pile of loose ends and plot holes that fans have pointed out or would like you to tie up, uh, a nice meaty edition that ties them all in a bow could do all the same things that a reader magnet would They'd generate a buzz, excite the fans, get the word of mouth flowing, and it'll give you a new book that justifies, you know, re-advertising the old stuff uh, and gives you sort of a call to action for the advertising because now you can catch up on the back end because new stuff is out. And alternatively, you can do a sp an entire spinoff series. If you just want to do a new series, uh, assuming you can introduce that series in a way that doesn't require a foreknowledge of the previous one, it'll be as good as having a, a series you know that's brand new with the added benefit of sending interest back to the original series and bringing over fans of the original series. I know a bunch of people have done this. Jeff Poole uh, actually broke his series up into a bunch of different arcs that were sort of entry points. Uh, Jeff Poole being the co-host of the previous podcast we did. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you can do it that way, then it's sort of, it's the best of both worlds where you're continuing forward with fresh stuff, but also keeping interest on the old stuff. God, Jeff Poole. It's been a while since I heard that name. <laughs> Um, okay, so my first main tip is running a big promotion with incentives to download. Um, sometimes all those older books need is a bunch of new eyes on them, which that's kind of an oxymoron since that's what we're talking about. Like all those old books need some new eyes. So that's what we're doing here. Yes. Uh, I recommend offering download bonuses. They're, they aren't against any of the retailers' terms and conditions and readers absolutely love them. Um, you can give away artwork based on the series, audio samples, lyrics to, and this is something I did before, lyrics to a song written by the main character. And that's fun because if you have a really sarcastic character, like my character, the challenge was for my character to write a love song. And she's like, but I'm not in love with anybody except, I mean, this guy who hates her or whatever. She, anyway, it was a lot of fun to write that. Um, and readers love that kind of stuff. Uh, you can also offer stuff by other authors. And, and then of course, new 
write new material by you. And then doing this helps true fans who've already purchased the books, rediscover them, rekindle their love and spread the word. And it helps people who've never discovered you before to um, download and to uh, read all of your backlist stuff. So that's my very first tip. All right. I will move into my second tip, which will seem like my seventh tip since <laughs> I did the entire bullet list of bundle stuff. And I'm actually back to bundles for my next tip, but a different kind of bundle this time. Once you have a number of backlist series that are thematically similar, such as like all oh, high or epic fantasy, you can do a bundle of book ones from your different series. And maybe you throw in some new content to make your old readers or readers who originally tried you maybe via the library or Kindle Unlimited want to buy the new installment. And I would put this out at 99 cents. And later you might even make it free. The whole point here is to get people to try your new, your old series. And like I said, with the before, same as before, you can treat it, treat it like a new series launch. Um, or you can also make this one of your newsletter bonuses. I actually did both. I started this, I think it's called beginnings is the name of my you can tell it's been like five years since i did this that's the name of my uh the box set of the four book ones from they're all high fantasy or epic fantasy surprise surprise and i wrote a new novella that was like a prequel a thousand years in the earlier to my dragon blood series just so there'd be some new content for new uh you know and the the novella was i don't remember maybe thirty thousand words so it was people who had already read all four books they still wouldn't mind paying 99 cents to uh get that novella do be worried do be careful though because i've then had people want a series based on the novella which i had never planned to do it's just kind of like a fun <laughs> here's a prequel novella like a super prequel uh but anyway uh, so i probably did like a year where i just sold it that way and i moved you know quite a bit of copies uh, i wouldn't expect this kind of thing to become a bestseller it's a little atypical but it you know it did reasonably well because a lot of the people bought it for the novella even if they were already fans who had already uh, read the series and then eventually i just now i think it i think it's still everywhere for 99 cents i haven't looked at it for a long time i have no idea how many copies it sells but it's also a newsletter bonus so that anybody who signs up via one of my newer series like they they join the newsletter in order to get the uh the novella I did for Death Before Dragons, or I just did a, a little bonus story for my Werewolf series. Uh, you know, they get like five bonuses, and one of them is this beginnings box set. So you know, a lot of people check out, check that out when they, even though they came in via another series, and they can decide, oh, hey, I enjoy this. I'm going to read the rest of the series. So that's one way to kind of keep your backlist perpetually selling. Not that it won't anyway, it, you know, if you've got something good or if you've got a front list series, a new series doing well, people will find your stuff regardless. But this makes it easier. It's like, here, please enjoy four novels that uh, you otherwise might not have been exposed to or you would have had to go hunting for. All right, Joe, or do you guys have any thoughts on that? Have you done that? I have not done a, a, a starters. My, because I, I was a genre jumper from way back, uh, I don't really have enough series starters of the same general genre to do this with. But I have done sort of a similar thing where I, I bundled together the, the loose stories that had never been released before and used that as a, as a newsletter perk. So, and also, these tended to be prequels, and I did have the problem where people really like, like latched onto one of the prequels and wanted an entire series of that one. And I was like, no, no, I shouldn't have even made it that long. I should say before you go on, this is really for people who are wide. This is not going to work 
because of the rule we talked about earlier, uh, if you're a Kindle Unlimited and exclusive with Amazon, you can only have the individual titles in one bundle. So you're not going to be able to do this, even if all four series are in KU, if you've already got series bundles. So just to be clear, I do this with my wide series. All right, Joe, next, moving on to the next one. All right. So we'll continue talking about bundles, yet another type of bundle. Um, Multi-author bundle uh, with a pile of other book ones is a, an excellent way to sort of have a, a, a slow trickle of sales, or if you're lucky, a fire hose of sales uh, and new readers. The They don't usually make a huge difference, but they also don't usually take a huge amount of effort unless you're the one putting them together. And even then, it's not as difficult as making an entire new book. You're, you're, it's basically a formatting challenge. And a you know, you're hurting cats a little bit by talking to a bunch of other authors. But um, usually you make this as cheap as possible or free. And it's the book ones for your series and a bunch of other uh, series in the same genre. I'm actually uh, joining into one of these right now. There's an email chain going on about it. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people uh, will continue on to your series if you have a particularly good book one. And again, you'd be surprised, like, how do I know that that these multi-author bundles are working for some reason more than any other type of uh, of promo that i've ever done i get emails from people who tell me that they found me because of the multi-author things like i know that people are finding me through any number of ways but by a factor of two at least the most common way that uh the most common subject of an email from somebody who's just excited to be talking to me about it uh you know discovering me is um that they found me in a multi-author bundle. So multi-author bundles are a really good way to just get some fresh readers or to cross-pollinate audiences with uh, with other authors. Yeah, I just wanted to add that I've done a number of those over the years and also find them helpful. And Joe, I think we're going to be in the same one coming up. And we I are. grabbed a books to read link that is not used anywhere else. So that's another way to track. Like if people click on it and buy book two, I'll know. Because uh, this is wide stuff. So I, I wanted that anyway, because it'll have links to all the stores. But yeah, I actually have one that I'm in. I think we started it back in like 2016. It's And a shout out to Carolyn Gockel. I don't know if she listens to this, but she's kept it going. And she'll alternate between it being paid and free. And she just got us a book bub on the, like this five-year-old, collection of it's like a sci-fi our book ones that most of us have them perma free anyway and it's not that you can't still do this i mean you can either charge 99 cents or just make it, if you make it free then you don't have to worry about accounting so that's kind of nice but what she does is she just saves the money when it's paid until she has enough to run promos and, and makes it free and uh, it keeps things rolling in so definitely recommend that one uh, all right andrea i'll let you take over Carolyn Gockel, that's not a name I've heard in a long time. <laughs> she's still around. She's still doing our series. So I have to check up on her and see how she's doing with her books. Yeah, those were those were uh, KDP, they're the K-Boards days, you know, back when I would hang out and chat with her. I was like, that was a long time ago. Okay, so another thing I've done, um, giveaways themed to the books themselves. I'll, I'll have readers fill in the blank. So one of the questions would be, what five words does chapter 20 start with? And I want it to be a section of the book that you can't get through the look inside. And what worked really well was for me to offer the, to do like a giveaway on this for the fourth book in the series, offer that book for free. I give away questions 
be all about that book. And I, you know, you want to offer it for free because you don't want to have people, obviously it's like illegal, I think to make people pay tent or giveaway. So, um, and I mean, you know, you, you could justify and say, Hey, if they're buying the book and then enter the, yeah, don't, don't deal with that. Just offer the book for free, have the giveaway questions, be all, be all about that book, make them the questions are intrigue readers enough to get them to want to read. So you could ask what, you know, questions like, why did this character do this? And how did this character respond when so-and-so said this? Then, then what, and I did this with later books in the series and I would put the first book up for free as well, because, you know, when you have a six book series or a 10 series or five book series, two books for free is not a huge deal. You've got a large backlist. Um, and then I want that first book to be on, on discount as well to incentivize, incentivize. I spelled that wrong. <laughs> incentivize new readers to start at the beginning of the series um so we all have readers on our list who haven't read every single book of ours obviously because a lot of the time they don't even know how many books you have uh and the reason i do a later book series is because my true fans they actually seem to enjoy it better and i would i went through a phase where i did a new giveaway every two weeks for six months and i did it on can give books in the series i try to do it on every single book in the series um, all of the series I'd written, but the ones that did the best were ones that were later books in the series. And I'm, I'm assuming it's because it's because by that point they fall in love with the characters. And if the questions made them remember something fondly and they would make them giggle and make them be like, Oh, I remember that. Then it would get warm fuzzies. It would make them more excited to share the giveaway and the promotion. Um, you can do it with the first book in a series too. And you might have more, more luck with that depending on your, your fan base and how big, uh, dang it. Is my internet having crappy problems? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how much it's going to come out in the, in the final show, but it's been breaking up a little bit for me. So hopefully people will be able to understand it. Yeah, we've been having internet problems. I don't even know why. Like, I have no idea. Our internet guy got married. <laughs> so like, I have no idea. I don't know anything about this. Um, anyway, so yeah, so you could do it on the first book in the series too. And depending on, like I was saying, depending on how big your backlist is or how large your platform is, you might have more success with that first book. Uh, anyway, so the prize that I would give away for those um, those things was almost always a book or two in the series in print, sometimes the whole series in print. Uh, this is something, even if they own all of the books, they've read all of the books, readers who love your series want to share that. And if you make it easy, so they win a you know set of the whole books in print, they're going to share that with somebody else or give that as a gift to somebody they care about. And therefore it helps spread the word more. And I don't know, like I kind of feel the more you can give away and the more you can spoil your readers, the better they'll treat you in the long run. And um, I mean, you obviously don't want to give everything away for free, but little things for them here and there makes makes people happy and makes them appreciate you more. And it helps your backlist too. Yeah, people definitely love like just if you do like a free, I often, I'm going to say they're bonus scenes, but they always end up turning into short stories. Yeah, I'm, in fact, I'm probably going to have to write one soon because Christmas is coming up and that seems to be the time of year I end up doing this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think those are the kind of things that you do that make, you know, fan readers, casual readers into true fans. And it also gives them something to share. And I guess that will take us into my final tip, which is not about bundles. I know you guys are shocked at this point. Uh, <laughs> your one takeaway from this episode will be like, well, guess I got to do some bundles if I want my backlist to sell. Um, but my last tip is just don't forget to plug your older books like to your newsletter subscribers and social media followers from time to time. Readers that are new to you and haven't read all of your old stuff yet might love some of those backlist series. And if you have a perma-free book one, or, you know, if you're like us, and at this point you have quite a few series and might have several perma-free book ones, 
you know, make a post of that either on your blog or Facebook, whatever you're doing. And you'll find that the fans who have already read the series and, and love the series, they also really like sharing those posts of like these free book ones or, or starter shits or whatever, because it's like they want to get their friends hooked too. And what better opportunity than with the free stuff? So, you know, if even if you're not doing perma-free, you might want to do free for the holidays or you know a limited time promotion and uh then you can turn it back to full price later on but those are some of those um things that cost me nothing to do basically like i used to boost them you know i used to pay to boost them on facebook but i found that i just get a lot of shares just from the the readers so uh, don't forget to (laughs) don't forget about your backlist i guess that's part of the uh you know theme of the episode here uh, because there's you know, after you've been writing for a while and you've done a few series, there's a lot of money potentially just sitting back there and stuff that is already complete. And uh, you might as well, you know, best thing is get, keep getting paid for stuff you did five or 10 years ago. That's one of the amazing things about being an author is that, you know, unless you're writing something super timely that, you know, and most genre fiction writers aren't going to be, um, yeah, 10 years nothing especially if something like epic fantasy you know it's like it's in a different world anyway who cares star wars came out in the 70s still good today except special effects <laughs> come a little way but as a book author you don't even need to worry about special effects uh yeah joe did you want to chime in too yeah uh like just on the subject of keeping your your um your backlist in the conversation on social media and stuff. If you follow me on Twitter right now, you'll notice that I am tweeting literally every piece of art I've ever had. It's going to take me months, but it's one of those where I have a tremendous amount of art and a lot of fan art. And uh, uh, I've been, this is just a way to sort of, I didn't start it as a way to start the conversation about all the books that I've written in the past, but it's, it's one of the side effects is lots of people who started following me because of the most recent fantasy don't know that I have an older fantasy or people who started reading me because of sci-fi or steampunk don't know that I have fantasy and vice versa. So yeah, let's just talking about that stuff. And I mean, we've, we've, we constantly talk about, uh, pizza dragon and other books that i've written that are sort of cautionary tales but it seems like every time i mention it online or here on the podcast i get one or two sales <laughs> and it's one of those where it's like i mean yeah one or two sales aren't very many but if every if you just you know put 140 characters together and throw them out on the internet and then someone gives you five dollars that's not bad. So like, don't discount even the very small effects of some of this stuff. One or two book sales not only gets your book in front of more people and gets you to, uh, to, and thus has the potential for word of mouth and all that, but also it's some money and a bunch of some money is how you get lots of money. So just sort of keep in mind that the scale is going to seem small, but even small scale stuff can pay for itself when the long tail is long enough. A bunch of some money is how you get lots of money, guys. Turn that one down. <laughs> Quotable quotes. Uh, and a whole hordes of people are going to run out and buy Joseph's books now. Structophis tr- is the title, right? In case they want to find out. Yes, yeah, this is the title. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that one. I remember when you wrote it, you were like, this is not going to sell. I'm writing a book right now that is not going to sell. And I just, I remember that. I was like, a pizza dragon? What? structopus i'm like that's fantastic anyway okay so i had a bunch of other ideas just to quickly give bullet points on um so the first is recover the series and we talked about this last week in our episode um but basically do a rebrand give new new covers and submit 
bub, all the different web promotional places. And um, basically a soft launch, tell BookBub it's a new cover, um, you know, things like that. That can help you get a BookBub easier. But but new covers generate more interest and readers. They'll be like, oh, well, that's a cool cover. And you gather different people who would not have been interested in a previous cover. Um, focus a promotion event that is geared to one retailer at a time. So if you're wide, uh, do a huge push for that retailer. Mention on social media, uh, in your newsletter. Use quote reviews that are from that review that retailer, not from Amazon, but specifically from specifically from that retailer. Retailer give links to the book there, um, and then this would work best if you if it coincides with you know how they have the promotions tab on Kobo and and Nook and things like that. It would work best obviously if they're also promoting you at that same time. But the more you spoil those retailers, the more they're going to spoil you, and so. Um, you know, and then also make it a big event. So focus on one book per retailer. You'd be like, hey, Nook fans, your turn is next week. And just really lead up to it. it. Takes a lot of organization. But, you know, if your backlist isn't selling and you've got the time, then it's worth doing. Let's see. Uh, cycle through the books you promote. Don't constantly push on the same books at the same time. Um, same philosophy there. When when a book has a break, then you're able to take a, you're able to get new interest and all that from it for it. Um, pay attention to current trends and fads. You don't need to write to those trends, but if something pops up that your book fits, even if not perfectly, take advantage of it. And for example, the Academy Urban Fantasy trend that was really huge there for a while, my Mosaic Chronicles fit it, not perfectly. Um, you know, there were a few differences, but my Mosaic Chronicles, I had, it would had been mostly published already, almost all 10 books by the time that trend took off. And so I went and I put new book covers on those. And that was when I put them in Kindle Unlimited and they, they just, they, they were like little hot pockets, hot pockets. I don't know what I'm trying to say. They, they sold like hot pockets. That's the term, right? <laughs> hot cakes. Hot cakes. Thank you. <laughs> and then build your newsletter, do a Ryan Z event time with prolific works, a book funnel, um, and a huge book funnel has, and I just barely started doing that with my romance books, but they, there's all these awesome promotions where you can share you know, newsletters and, um, you know, not newsletters where you, you tell other people about this promotion that you're taking part in. Are trademarks. We're going to get fined. Dag nabbit. Sorry guys. <laughs> I'll pay the $20,000. Just kidding. I won't. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a comment from Lindsay. That's funny. Um, let's see a huge increase of subscribers is a great way to get old books selling because they go through your automation sequence my next point you're going to want to have a tight automation sequence that, unless you're Lindsay. <laughs> like not everybody the whole thing that was one thing that becca signed her pop her whole thing is not every piece of advice fits every person and you just you have to figure out what fits you and what does not fit you and if you don't need you don't have need to do anything basically you don't need to write every day you don't need to do anything unless it is something that fits your personality and that you will help you be productive and that's what becca sime does is she helps you figure out what's going to fit you best anyway you don't need to have a tight automation sequence or one at all but it does help in this case i'm always feeling like i'm judging Lindsay's decision not to have an automation sequence i'm like it's okay Lindsay. i'm not telling you to go put up an automation sequence anyway but have I'm going to recommend our listeners have a tight automation sequence that leads readers through your backlist. Um, then do newsletter swaps for the same reason. You know, it, it, it's a great way to find new readers. It gets them in your newsletter list, especially if it's one that requires them to sign up for your newsletter list, which I don't always recommend and I don't always do, but sometimes they're really effective. Right now, with me only having two books published in my, my romance series, I'm writing the third book right now, and I've got a reader magnet. I am 
giving away that reader magnet only to people who offer, uh, give me an email address because I don't have a lot of sell through opportunity. And so I want to snag those readers and have them be on my newsletter list instead. Um, let's see. Okay. Going wide or going into KU after being wide, don't hop back and forth. Of course, do it if you've done it for a couple of years. And then the last one, recategorize and then run a promotion. Uh, most of us write books that could be in several different categories and retailers add new ones all the time, like especially Amazon. I know the other ones do too. So check, check those out. Just see what's available regularly. Just scan through the list of categories and move into new categories as needed. Make sure to run promotions when you do. Otherwise nothing will probably happen. Um, I had the, I don't remember, what is it called? It's like alternate history, uh, magic, fantasy, alternate history. Um, and my Mosaic Chronicles fit in that. And when that category came out, I, I put my books in it and that really helped me as well. I was at the top of that for a very long time. Um, I'm, I don't even know if I'm still in that category anymore, but just, I mean, just keep an eye on things. And I believe that that's the end. Goodbye. Just kidding. <laughs> well, that is a good point about the categories. Cause I did that with both military fantasy came along after I you know, long after I had a couple series that could fit in that and I went back and plugged them in there. Same with the dragons and mythological creatures category came along a few years ago. I had all kinds of dragons that I could put in that one. Um, so I do the beginnings bundle with all four of my book ones. So I don't have to have an automation sequence. It's serving the same purpose. Um, but yeah, I just don't do one because I don't want any more email. Um, if you hire someone to handle your email, uh, or if you're earlier on, like in the beginning, I was like, yes, email's amazing when I have readers that send emails. And I was like, oh my God, no more email. Uh, of Not necessarily from fans, but between the podcast, because so many pitches for this podcast, guys, despite the giant sign on the blog page that says, we don't take pitches, all pitches will be deleted unread. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry about that rant. I did want to comment too that... Uh, no, that's, that's not, oh wait, Joe, you make your comment first. I have a final wrap-up comment. All right. Uh, just on, I'm going to, on the subject of the recategorizing and stuff, we talk a lot on this show about, you know, you have to brand your book adequately and properly for people to buy it because it has to look like the type of book that the person's expecting. And lots of times you end up accidentally being ahead of the curve. Like you end up making a book that, and you know, it was discussed earlier, uh, becomes popular later. And suddenly there is a, there's a, best practices for the way the cover should look and the way the blurbs should look. And now you know that because now other books that are selling well have that. So there's certainly a lot of value in looking at your backlist and seeing like, oh, superheroes have become a lot more popular. And now there's like a, a way that people expect superhero books to be. So combining these where you rebrand your book and recategorize your book, you fix the cover and you put it in a new category, you fix the blurb and stuff like that. Like a lot of these synergize well with themselves. And also, as a complete aside, uh, if you just type, if you just search for Pizza Dragon Lalo, it takes you to the book. It turns out my SEO is good enough that I've been using the wrong name for long enough that people will find their way to the, <laughs> to the book regardless. Or nobody else has written a Pizza Dragon Lalo book. It's like when you find, it used to be a thing where you tried to find a Google thing that only returned one result. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a thing back in the day. Uh, so my final thoughts are just, you know, uh, on the episode that Joe and I did last month while Andrea was gone, we talked a little bit about like which of our series had made the most money ever like for us. And for both of us, it was an older series. So 
these things can really compound over time if you put in the work to keep them selling. You can't just assume they're going to sell on their own, though, because you have to, like I mentioned, too, that my Dragon Blood uh, box set on Audible got added to their subscription program, and that's really kickstarted my Audible sales, especially for that series. And um, But you have to, like, keep things selling to <laughs> in order for them to be discovered, you know, or, you know, to get like a boost along the way. So if you just kind of keep things selling a little bit, do a little bit here and there, you'd be surprised how much over time that even like most of these probably for all of us are not selling like thousands of copies a month. Like only my new stuff is selling like that. Not, but you know, a hundred copies or 50 copies a month of a title, you get enough books out there and that adds up over time and can make you a really good income. All right. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap in less than an hour, we spoke quickly tonight. Andrea spoke really quickly. Sorry, I can go back and do it slower if anybody we're, wants. You me were to. probably trying to overcome the internet. <laughs> no, well, that yeah, and I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna hurry and do this all in one big post. I'm just like, here you go. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess the, from the silence in the room, we are done. Thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. Bye-bye. See y'all later. So long, everybody. <laughs>